morning. It is Thursday, May 14th, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus outbreak in mid-Missouri. I'm Tim Pilcher, and today we welcome another member to the Community Pulse team. Joining me at a safe distance here in the studio is Peter Weiss, who will be filling in a few days a week as producer of Community Pulse alongside Mallory Daly. Good morning, Peter, and welcome to the team. Good morning, Tim. A privilege to be back here at the community radio station. Some of you might recognize Peter's voice from his variety of on-air roles here at KOPN, whether it's running national programming or late-night music. Peter will be joining us on the conversation today and tomorrow before helping take the reins next week. Today on Community Pulse, we'll be talking about antibody tests, what they mean or don't mean, and the challenges with sensitivity, specificity, and emergency use application. Joining us on the line to discuss this and more is Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Tim. Um, And uh, good morning, Peter. Uh, Before we get into the specifics, I want to just run through the numbers. We've got about four and a half million documented cases worldwide um, with uh, close to 300,000 people dead and uh, one and a half million, 1.678 million people recovering. Um, in the United States, we've got 1,432,000 cases with um, 85,000 deaths and 310,000 people recovering. Um, in Missouri, um, the, the work of Matthew Holloway, which I'm so grateful for, 10,392 cases, one new county. Um, so we only have 13 counties in Missouri who have yet to report a case. Uh, 551 deaths. And uh, when we look at the, the trend, so we had a little bit of an increase yesterday in um, uh, reported cases. So we had a low on the 11th, and uh, then the last two days have been a teeny bit up. But when we look at average <clears throat> cases for the last seven days, we still have eight days of decline. So we're st- I'm still looking to see what happens in the next week um, as we see the likely result of having increased uh, contact between people. Um, I also looked at a, there's so much data out there that can just really sort of spin your head, but I found a graph, I mean a map where you could hover over a county and see cases per 100,000 population. And uh, Montauk County, which is just down the road from us, has one of the highest in the nation uh, concentrations of cases per uh, population. So that was a little shocking. Um, Anyway, uh, testing, it looks like uh, uh, we have done in Missouri 124,000 tests uh, with about 10, again, 10,000 or so positive. So we've got a little bit less than 10% coming positive. And some people are saying that's kind of a benchmark of we want to have enough testing so 10% or less of the results are positive. I'm not sure what that criteria is based on. It seems like we want to get even farther down than that if we're going to try to do testing, tracking, and isolation. But anyway, I think we're starting to do better. And as of Friday last week, um, we have the capacity to do antibody testing um, drawn and processed by local labs. So I hear Quest Lab is doing it, Boone Hospital is doing it, and I I don't have a contact within the university system 
that I know that I won't be bothering somebody who's otherwise very busy, but I'm going to presume that if those if it's available with those two, that the university system is doing it as well. Um, and so these are the tests that people we've been waiting for for a long time that we're hearing people talk about using to kind of get an idea of how common this disease has been. It's a, it's a sense of like, well, you know, how many people have had, had an asymptomatic um, case. So um, uh, just to get started with some basic definitions, an antibody is a protein made by a an organism, um, we're going to say human because that's what we're talking about, in response to being exposed to a disease or a foreign substance. The foreign substance is called an antigen. So this is a very specific response of the immune system to a particular exposure. Um, and it's, uh, it is really very remarkable about how specific it is. And so if we... If we, what we're doing is we're looking to see whether your body, a human's body, has ever seen this substance before. So there are many kinds of antibodies, um, and people may have heard IgM and IgG. So these are immunoglobulins uh, labeled by alphabetic letters. Um, I'm not sure why we're all the way down to M when it's mainly A. And Anyway. There's secretory, anyway, lots of different. The ones we're going to talk about are IgM and IgG. IgM is a larger molecule. It is secreted earlier in the course of the disease and IgG and then wanes. And IgG tends to be secreted, uh, created later in the disease and lasts longer in the blood and provides a little bit more specific immunity. So, um, the antibody tests that I'm aware of that I can order are were created by Abbott Labs. Jenny Chadwick, just before we came online uh, on air, sent me a, a, a link to an article I didn't have time to read saying that maybe the Abbott Labs one has problems that another test has been rechecking. Anyway, it, this is a rapidly developing situation, <laughs> clearly. But the, I, the test that I can order is an IgG test. And it's, it's only, it's just a plus or minus. So you either have it or you don't have it. Um, anyway, so then, and sometimes these things are called serologic tests, or we're talking about measuring serology. And that comes from the idea that this is not a, these are not attached to cells. That it is in the serum, the clear part of our blood. Once you put blood in a centrifuge, the cells um, go to the bottom and you end up with a, um, with a lot of golden color fluid, and that's called serum. Um, these tests have been approved under what's a process called emergency use author use not use use authorization, and so um, they have not experienced the same amount of scrutiny by the Food and Drug Administration that tests lab tests usually have, and that is why we're going to hear a lot of. Um, controversy and a lot of discussion about whose test is the best. Um, be, and they are limited in what they can say about the sensitivity and specificity of the test, which when you hear um, folks in journalism talking about this in reports, they're often, they often use the word accuracy, but accuracy is not really a very precise or accurate term. So we're looking at two qualities of the test. 
and um, one is sensitivity, and that is the ability of the test to find all the all the stuff that's out there. So it's like if you're sweeping with a broom, you want a very sensitive broom. You want one with a lot of tight bristles that won't leave any of the dirt behind. So a very sensitive test will find all of the disease that's out there and won't tell anybody, nope, you don't have it, when they actually do have it. And then a specific test is a test where we um, it, where what we want is for it to, to only detect what's actually there. So we don't want it to be um, telling people that they have it when they don't have it. And these are the things that we've heard criticized on social media about um, somebody in, I'm trying to remember, Zambia, I think, um, you know, stuck a swab in a goat and in a fruit and sent it off and got a positive result. And so um, what we want is our test to be very sensitive and very specific. And ideally, an antibody test will be sensitive in the 99% and specific up close to 100%. We're not there yet with all these tests because they've come out so quickly and they will need to be refined. So um, the other question is, oh, let's see, another question, word people often use is, is it a titer or is it just a positive negative test? A titer, I don't know why we use that word. It's a, it's a, it's a measure of the concentration, like how much of the antibody do you have? Do you just have it or don't have it? Or can we say, yeah, you have it and you have a lot, or you have just a teeny bit. Um, so uh, the, and then what, what about immunity? Like don't antibodies all give us some immunity? If I have antibodies, then certainly I'm immune, right? And probably, but not for sure. And we, there is such a risk of people being overconfident, of being told that they have an antibody when maybe they don't, and being presuming or being told that that means they're immune and they can relax and expose themselves to higher risk contacts. What if we're wrong and people confidently go out and expose themselves and get sick? So you're going to hear us being very, very careful in part because we don't want to feel guilty and we also don't want to be held responsible. Um, and we just don't know. It's going to take some time for us to, because the test we have to do is measure antibody levels and then watch people and see if they get sick again. And that will take time. And we don't deliberately expose humans. We consider that to be unethical to potentially fatal um, diseases. So we don't know yet. There is some promising um, data in clinical observation that very few people are getting this twice. Um, and when we, in some early vaccine studies in monkeys, they sh did deliberately expose them and they didn't get sick. So there's some promising idea that these antibodies will confer immunity. Um, I've had a question from, from a friend like, well, if antibodies don't confer immunity, then why are we developing a vaccine? And I think the answer is many, most antibodies do confer immunity, but not all do. So, for example, if you get tetanus, you get antibodies, and yet there are documented cases of people getting tetanus twice. So not all antibodies confer immunity. So that said, um, what it does say is 
if we can trust the result, is that you, your body has seen this virus before and is responding to it with an antibody. And so it's answering the question of how long has this illness been around and how many people have had it and didn't know it. Um, and it will answer, oh, there are so many people in Missouri who had a really remarkably miserable illness in December, some as early as November, December, January, February, and early March. And they are really curious, some of them very convinced, that what they had was COVID-19. And I am not convinced of that. I think most people had another thing. It wasn't influenza. Um, it was remarkably miserable. And um, uh, I think it was not COVID. I was worried it was, and I have now done 90-some nasal swabs and of, that, of people who have exactly that story, something really terrible. And uh, the vast majority have been negative. So most people who are calling me really worry they have COVID um, are testing negative to that. So it'll be very interesting to do tests on people who have antibodies, uh, to see if they have antibodies, who are sure that what they had over the winter was this COVID-19, and I'm sure it's been around longer than it, than it has. So that's my um, brief lecture. What questions um, do the two of you have, and what other topics do you think I need to talk about? Um, well, I was curious, Dr. Alleman, should <clears throat> be important to note that uh, those who may test positive for antibodies to influenza don't necessarily have antibodies to this specific virus. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. It's a specific thing. So we're not just looking. Thank you for asking me to be more specific in my language. We're not just testing antibodies. We are testing for specifically COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2 antibodies. And so all of us have many, many antibodies to the, all the things that we've had. We're looking for specifically SARS-CoV-2 antibodies. Thank you for asking me to be more specific. Okay. And I have a question yeah. about yeah. how we test the accuracy of these tests. I imagine we, we're doing trials and then we're comparing them with other tests or we're doing multiple tests for the same one. Do you, can you shed any light on how that process yeah. works? Always the issue with a, um, an anti, uh, any test is that we want to test it against a gold standard. Like what is our 100% certain test? And uh, since there are really nothing like that. Um, I mean, for example, we're testing pregnancy tests, like does a person actually have a baby? Well, okay, that, that is our 100% reliable test. <laughs> For this test, it is, we're going to be testing it in situations where we know what's been going on with somebody. Okay. Oh, we're pretty confident. So a person gets sick with, with COVID-19, we do a swab, they're test positive for COVID-19, they have a clinical course that looks like that, all of their x-rays and CT scans look like they had that, um, and now they're recovering. What are those people doing? So we're wanting to, so we're going to be testing it in, and, and then we'll probably be testing it against other tests as well. I am aware that you are a physician and obviously not a soothsayer. Um, would you, um, 
Thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, would you speculate, perhaps, though, on on the possibility that um, those who can test positive—is it, in a scientific sense, possible for those who test positive for these immunities to get some sort of writ or sheet of paper that they can carry around with them, uh, allowing them greater access to society? There, there's so much speculation about that in so many different countries around the world. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so as a physician, um, I have serious serious concerns about privacy. Mm-hmm. So that's an issue. The other thing is that we don't know yet. Well, we, what we these tests are going to tell us is whether people have antibodies. Once we have tests we can trust, they will tell us if they have an antibody to SARS-CoV-2. What we don't know yet is whether that antibody test means that they can't get it again. Important, extremely important, yes. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say that my physician colleagues and my other health provider colleagues are, like, chomping at the bit to get their antibody test because it will allow them to sleep better at night. And we are all telling each other, okay, but no, you can't stop using personal protective equipment. I'm concerned we're going to, in the circumstances we have, we're going to be in places where people know their antibody status or believe they do, and we'll be in a shortage of PPE, and they'll hand theirs off to a colleague who has a negative antibody status. It sounds almost if it's a basic question of medical ethics. I mean, this this almost doesn't even seem ethical uh, at this point without uh, further proof and yeah. research is what you're saying. It, right. So it it is a helpful... So I have enrolled in a study where I actually wear a um, um, a tracker of, you know, like a, I wear a ring that measures my heart rate and tells me how much I'm sleeping and stuff. And, and it also measures my temperature. And a lot of physicians wear these rings. And so the company consulted, you know, asked me whether I want to participate in a study from the U.S. Uh, University of California. San Francisco, um, where they are, you know, asking me for my symptoms and whether I've been exposed, and they're um, uh, they're trying to track whether there's a way to detect before people actually get sick. And they have offered me an antibody test, and what they're saying is ethically they are unlikely to tell me the answer. So I have agreed to get an antibody test. hasn't been sent to me yet. Um, with the idea that I'm not going to be told the answer because I think they're concerned about this that. But especially since we're talking about health professionals, they don't want us to be more careless because we know our antibody status. Um, so we're going to be walking that ethics of what we're going to be. We're going to be somebody's going to be gathering information about my body and not telling me. That's a tricky spot, and yet we are in. And I do not believe this should be forced or mandated on anybody. I, I but I think I have the right to say yes to that. Um, Anyway, so it is going to be helpful from a public health standpoint to do antibody testing on, say, random folks in a population. And these are the kinds of tests that we've heard before that we've talked about where they've done it in New York State and I think in California, um, and they are uh, trying to see whether the, the disease has been more common. We know that it's been more common than what we're testing with the swabs. Um, and then this is going to help us get to that statistic we've all been arguing about is what is the death rate 
if you have had this disease, how likely is it to kill you, which I think is one of the least interesting parts of this, but will be interesting in a standpoint of what if we rip off the Band-Aid and everybody goes out and does all the things and we all get it? What if all of us, what if 100% of the population gets this over the next two years? What, how, many people, how many funerals are we going to have? And this would be helpful to get to that kind of information, which is going to help policymakers, which, for, good, for goodness sakes, it seems like what we're doing is each one of us is going to have to be our own policymaker, which is a sobering thought. But Not a promising thought, not a need. It, it, right. Yeah, so that's where I, I am excited about these antibody tests. Number one is because I would like for people who really are very curious about what what was going on with them over the winter when they were so miserably sick. I, I mean, these people are saying, y'all, I have never been sick like this before. <laughs> um, so people had a memorable illness in Missouri, and I'm very curious about what it was. Um, and if it was COVID-19, that will be really interesting information. And if it wasn't, um, maybe it can help people calm down a little bit. Yeah, indeed. Well, thank you for that. Uh, we're about out of time for today. Yep. But uh, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Alleman. And we'll be back yep. tomorrow to discuss vitamin D, right? Yep. That is correct. I look forward to it. Absolute thank pleasure you. and Bye. privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, we were speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters here on KOPN. Be sure to tune in later tonight to Food Sleuth Radio with Melinda Himmelgarn. Her guest tonight is Karen Ahrens, registered dietitian based in Bismarck, North Dakota, who will be discussing her recent trip to the U.S.-Mexican border, where she describes the living conditions of sheltered immigrants and farm workers and shares stories of vulnerable populations, including mothers fleeing violence with their children. That's later tonight at 5 p.m. on Food Sleuth Radio here on KOPN. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back tomorrow morning with more Community Pulse at 9 a.m. Coming up next is an abridged version of Background Briefing, so stay tuned.